Hey, Brian. Hey, Elliot. What's the talk of the table? That was what was wrong. We didn't do the fake We didn't do the ba-da, ba-da, ba-da. <laughs> uh, Actually, you know what? I'm going to leave that in because people don't know that every time when we play the theme song on the podcast, it's actually me in the background also going ba-da, 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 just to make <laughs> every, our guests smile and feel relaxed. Yep. Yep. It started off as a goof, but now I think it's an actual part of my production process. <laughs> Today, Elliot and I are going to look back on 2023 and the first 10 episodes of this podcast and reflect on what we've learned and how we're going to take those lessons into 2024. 10 episodes. 10 episodes. This show is just a little conversation we have in April? Yeah. May? Something like that. And it's 10 episodes. I feel like there's not been a, you know, I mean, maybe I'm just uh, too high on myself, but there's not been a miss yet. It, oh, these yeah. are home run conversations and home run guests, honestly. Triangle Agency, Emily Friedman, Eric Silver, Encounter Party, Rick Perry, Jeff Stormer, Mamados, Jay Stroutman. I mean, these are all good conversations. All good people, all, all good now friends. Uh, that's what they don't realize is by coming on the show, they are officially our friends, uh, whether yep. they want to be or not. Yeah, stuck with us. So if you want to become our friends, come on the show. If you want to come yeah. on the show, be prepared to have two friends. So um, when we were thinking about what to do for this episode, Brian, we talked about maybe sort of doing a little bit of interviewing each other, although a little bit less, you know, maybe formal than we than we normally go, though we don't tend to keep it formal. But I think that maybe a good way to approach this year-end conversation is with a central question, which we always like to enter all our conversations with. Mm-hmm. And I think the central question for for Talk of the Table 2023 is like what did we learn, you know? What did, yeah. what did we learn and what do we want to keep learning? So I guess my first question I'd throw out to you first and then you can throw it back to me if you'd like is what was the surprising thing that you feel like you learned in in these first 10 conversations? I think the most surprising thing I learned from this podcast in general isn't necessarily a specific thing I learned from anybody. I think there's like great gems to be had from all these conversations, of like very specific tidbits that you can like take and use. But I think the thing that surprised me most throughout these conversations was how, how we kept returning to a lot of the same topics of like mm. this, like the spectrum of actual play. And also like more often than not, we would come back to what our approach to making tabletop role-playing games and actual play is. Yeah. And then slowly, like, incorporate other people's ideas into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I didn't expect from this podcast. Like, I really thought it was going to be like, oh, we'll interview you and we'll have your ideas. And I didn't think it would be as much of self-reflection as it has become. I think it's become much more conversation than interview, which I think all, for all the better. I think I was also maybe surprised by how much of us is in each conversation, not in a bad way, but, like, in a way where it wasn't just a, just a Q&A. We, we really have developed into a, like you said, conversational style where we're bringing forth opinions and stuff like that. And I think it leads to things we didn't have in the outline and some of like the best moments that have come up in these different interviews. Because we come into every interview with, with, a, with a pretty significant outline and a main question we want to an- answer. So usually like the title of the episode or the description of the episode is almost written beforehand. Like we know what we're going to talk about. We know the conversation we want to have. It's never going to be like, let's get your top five favorite things about the actual play you make. It's going to be, how do you do this very specific thing? And because we're picking such like very specific topics and questions, 
we often have our own opinions on them. Mm-hmm. And we want to we want to see like, okay, does our opinion jive with yours? How are they in conflict? How are they working together? Mm. And try to like synthesize our views together with with our guests. And I think that's why we keep push finding more of ourselves in the episode than we initially intended. And I feel like all of our guests are like, we are we are interested slash actively working in so many of the areas that our guests are. Like we have actual yeah. play folks on. We are actual play folks on. We have game designers on. We are game designers. And so it's like there's a lot of personal relatability, which I think adds. Uh, what about you? Was there anything uh, surprising that you learned from any of these conversations? Or any like note, like tidbits that you'll take with you? Oh, okay. I've, I've got an answer to both of those. So surprising thing, I was genuinely taken aback when Ned Donovan looked at us and said, we're not an actual play regarding sure. Encounter Party. Um, but I get his point. And, it, and it's a really good point. Like, it, like, it's like, I really like what he said, and I think that it's an important distinction to make. But I remember in the conversation, like, the way I had thought through the outline was, like, relating Encounter Party to actual play. And, like, I don't think we lost the thread or anything, but I remember when he said it point blank, I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was that clear a line. Mm-hmm. but I like that you're making the distinction. And I think that that yeah. was really important. Another tidbit that I love was uh, Jay Stroutman saying that uh, GM prep is solo TTRPG play. That will, uh, that will probably stick with me for a while. Yeah. That's, that's a thought that'll, that'll fester for a while. I feel like we have also, I think partially because you made project echo and we've, we've done some solo games as actual plays. We've come back to the idea of like what solo games are and yeah, you know what solo play is with some conversations that haven't come out yet. Yeah, and that's that's a conversation that I didn't know I was as interested in as I found myself to be. Like going totally. into those conversations, I was like, okay, this is an obvious question to ask. And the further we got into it, I was like, oh wait, I think I, I think I'm on team solo game for this one. I think yeah, GM prep is a solo game and stuff. Absolutely. A thing that came up in our Jay Stroutman interview that is, it, it's I mean, it's the title of the episode. And it's the thing I now like will just echo in my head is the idea of you owe them your effort. Mm. And I think this is the like single bit of our like talk of the table, many-sided media ethos that has come through this podcast, like really like cemented into a single phrase. And that is like, consider the audience. We said it yeah. in our, I mean, that was the title of our M. Friedman interview. The title of our Jay Stroutman interview was you owe them your effort. And it's just the idea of you've got to be considering the audience when you're making any kind of, entertainments whether it's this show whether it's my first dungeon whether it's the 20-sided newsletter whether it's anything if you're asking for time and if you're asking for money i think about this all the time i think about those two phrases consider the audience and you owe them your effort now when i'm working on anything games related whether it's like yeah early days of a game design or like when we're getting ready to record my first dungeon it's just like those two phrases are sort of like north stars i think also seeing seeing from things like I think Triangle Agency and Encounter Party are both really good examples of this, of having a longer-term mindset for what you want mm. to accomplish. So, like, Triangle Agency is going is they've had their amazing Kickstarter. It's going to be published very soon. I think early in 2024. But they had the Delta test ready to go for audiences to like look at and and test and play over a year before that. Right. Same thing with Encounter Party. Encounter Party was a podcast for three seasons and like 60 episodes, knowing that they always wanted to be a television show and that they this was designed to be a, a, a three-year pitch, a three-year resume mm. to Wizard of the Coast to eventually make it into a television show. 
taking the idea of anything that we're doing on this show on My First Dungeon, what you're doing with, with game design and what we're doing with game design and remembering that there is a longer timeline than what is right in front of you that is easy to miss sometimes. I actually really love that parallel between Triangle Agency and Encounter Party because they sort of have that, like you said, same perspective, but we got to talk to them at different points in mm-hmm. that journey. Like I feel like Encounter Party is where haunted table games will be in two years relative to their journey because Caleb uh, obviously has visions of extending that out as a company that is around for a while and keeps making triangle agency stuff and keeps making other games. So yeah, I like that a lot. I guess speaking of Caleb, because I think that Caleb's one of these, are there people you want to talk to again next year about different things? Because I feel like I want to talk to Caleb after triangle agency comes out. Sure. And like how that community has responded and how it's grown once the book is out there in the world. Would love to have Caleb back on to talk more Triangle Agency. And just kind of the the pivot from, okay, I've released one big game. The difference between like releasing one big game as a Kickstarter and being a games company, it's a big difference. And like how he's navigating that change, uh, I think would be really interesting to talk about. The other person I'd love to have back on is Ned Donovan. Not to talk about Encounter Party, but rather to talk about his work as the head of audio fiction programming for the New Jersey Web Fest, which is also where uh, actual play fits in. And like the space and the work of WebFest to like elevate actual plays. Because I think WebFests and uh, awards of these sorts are doing a lot of work to really help uh, more people find great actual plays. Yeah, it's another thing we talked about, I feel like a lot with Eric and uh, Dr. Friedman about like legitimizing the medium by taking it seriously. And I mm, think awards yes. is one way that you do that. Like, I don't, I, I don't want to ever live and die by awards because you know, there's no, there's Alfred so Hitchcock much out of never your control. won best director. Alfred Hitchcock never won best director. Um, that's a great little, that's a great little tidbit for, for not, not letting awards get to you, get to you. Um, but this idea that like by treating the medium seriously, it becomes more serious, you know, just like, yeah, it's sort of like look good, feel good by acting a certain way about the medium that you're in, you can, you can elevate it relative to people who are outside of it. And like, and I think awards and New Jersey web, I think Ned's done a lot of work in that. And I remember when we went into the conversation with Ned and Brian, we had one little paragraph in our outline that was like, touch on New Jersey web festive time. And I think we quickly realized that, no, that is an entire other conversation. Honestly, there's not one person I wouldn't like, honestly, I would have Jay on to talk about anything Jay's doing just because I think, I think we have the three of us have very similar ideas of the actual play space. I think Planet Arcana is a very good show and it's also doing very similar things to what My First Dungeon is doing, just with a long running campaign. I also think Jay, I think Planet Arcana became part of Rusty Quill right after our conversation last time. So we didn't even get to talk about that. That's true. Talking about like how being on a network kind of changes things for actual play, I think would be good. Cause I think that's you know, uh, M. Friedman talks about the idea of actual play being defined by the "quote unquote" the ambitious middle. Mm. It's it's not the people who are making you know critical role in Dimension Twenty, though they obviously define the space in in one way. This middle group of people who are putting in that extra effort, who are who are going that extra mile, who are considering their audience, who are giving them their effort. Planet Arcana, Worlds Beyond Number, My First Dungeon, plenty others. But but moving into a network for a lot of those a lot of these shows, 
is a like natural step in that kind of progression moving from a smaller show to a medium show to a bigger show to a, a show that is now like sustaining itself financially and and with fans. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So to see the difference in their growth, like see that chapter change. I'll tell you who I want to have back on, who I haven't gotten to talk to, but you talked to twice on my first dungeon feed is Taylor Moore. Because I think you didn't talk to him, or you talked to him right after Worlds Beyond Number or right before? It was definitely before Worlds Beyond Number had wrapped up the first arc. And I remember in that conversation, uh, at some point I, I asked Taylor, do you think you're going to be able to pull it off? Like, Because he, he set up this... The idea this is going to be like this amazingly grand story. I'm, you know, he learned composing for it and he's doing music and sound design and really going in. I mean, there are few people in the actual play space going as hard into music and sound design as Taylor Moore and Worlds Beyond Number. I think we're right there with them. And I think there's maybe like two or three other shows that are going that deep in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, check back at the end of July or August, near the end of our first arc, to see if I can stick the landing. And having listened to the end of the first arc, absolutely stuck the landing. But I'll be interested to see what he thinks about whether or not they stuck the landing. Because I feel like when you're on the inside, you often have a very different view than what it is from the outside. And then I know, uh, when when I initially reached out to Jeff Stormer, I asked, hey, would you like to do an interview about uh, two-player role-playing games? Because, I mean, that's part of one, two-player role-playing games. And Jeff uh, very politely emailed me back and said, I do that interview all the time. I'd love to talk about anything else. And I said, great, let's talk about something else. Uh, but very kindly after the interview, he was like, that was a very fun interview. If you want to talk about one-on-one role-playing games, I'd be more than willing to do that now. <laughs> Hell I said, yeah. great, we'll have to have you back on. So that feels like someone that'll be coming back on. And again, in this sort of like kismet relatability to our guests, there's a couple games that I want to write in the next year that are designed one-on-one role-playing games so no better person to talk to so i guess maybe more broadly than guests we want to have back on are there topics that are really like scratching an itch in your brain that you want to dig into in in 2024 yeah i've I've got i've got a list and i usually i end up i have a list of topics i want to come up with and then i pair that with like okay who's the very best person to talk to about this yeah i want to have both rowan zioli and lynn codega on to talk about journalism and ttrpgs would love to talk about safety tools and like a much more in-depth kind of treatise on safety tools, what they are, how they came to be, where they're going. Love to talk about editing TTRPGs with the person who edits every game that I love, Will <laughs> Yobst. I swear to God, if you don't know the name Will Yobst, just open any of your favorite indie TTRPGs and see who the editor is. It's probably Will Yobst. Yep, yep. We love Will, uh, editor of Project Echo, uh, amongst so many other great games. Hey there, it's Elliot from the Many Sided Media team. In addition to playing and producing here on My First Dungeon, I'm also a game designer known for such games as Something is Wrong with the Chickens, a rules-like game of chickens, eldritch horror, and revenge. Project Echo, a solo time travel game played in the pages of a planner. And the upcoming Rom-Com Drama Bomb, a three-player game of meet-cutes and mayhem. If you like weird and unique games and want to bring something new to your table, head to moreblueberries.shop and use code MYFIRSTDUNGEON for 20% off your order. That's M-O-R-E-B-L-U-E-B-E-R-R-I-E-S dot shop. Thanks!
What about you? Who, who would you like to have on? Uh, I want to talk to more game designers next year. I want to talk to some folks like Banana Chan, Jian Shim, so many people. Uh, I also want to talk to people who are sort of like creative specialists within game design. Like there's some illustrators who work yeah. mostly in game design. Like there's uh, Connor Nolan who did some incredible illustrations for Wander Home and um, some other games. Galen Peugeot, who has done some really, really incredible work for Spencer Campbell lately on Hunt and oh. the Dusk Denizen scenes. I also want to have Spencer Campbell on just to talk about, I think Spencer's ended the year wrap-ups of like how he's done as a game designer, like making a living as a game designer, are so like frank. And like he just lists down all of his expenses, all of his profits, and it's like, here's how I did it in a way that is wildly wildly helpful if you're trying to make tabletop role-playing games a career we love people being transparent and helpful online it's the best and also i after our conversations with the folks from gumat banwa with our conversation with uh, mamados i want to keep getting more people outside the united states because totally. i'm not as familiar with games outside of the u.s or the uk i'm like it's just a gap in my in my TTRPG knowledge, and I'd love to keep plugging those holes. Yeah, I especially want to talk to some folks from uh, like the RPG Latam scene, uh, like Cesar Capacli and uh, Diego, whose last name I'm forgetting right now. Just some really incredible work coming out of mm-hmm. of that scene as well. Cesar, in particular, is prolific. 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 I, I puts out games like nobody's business. I would also just love to talk to Cesar about being a full-time designer outside of the States, because I think that's a really challenging thing um, for people to do. And he seems to be, seems to have found a way to do it sustainably. And so I'd love to love to get some tips for folks from, from him. It's also, it's a designer not working in, you know, not working in 5e, working in indie games. Totally. Totally. Which is just another hurdle to go over. (laughs) Yeah. The other world that I want to talk to somebody from is, streamed actual play because it's mm. a world that's very like out of my knowledge and comfort zone and obviously we've Same. got friend of the show draconics who we talked a little bit to on the newsletter about uh ap performance though that was sort of broad but um connie chong who's been on uh, our yuzeba season would be a great person to talk to about transplaner and 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 this whole world of streamed actual play i would love to kind of talk to some of those folks who have really made a name as streamed actual play performers and how they how they consider that differently than like sort of the type of uh, actual play we do i feel like drac is a particularly good person because drac doesn't really have like a home base show and is performing on a but like is getting dropped into a bunch of different shows and is killing it every time left and right without having that like very familiar base every time uh, and i think that's an interesting an especially interesting person to talk to so i think we have to have drac back on as well so the other thing that we sort of have have uh, teased a bit on Twitter, and I don't think this—I don't think I can claim that this is our original idea because I think this is Dr. Emily Friedman's idea on Twitter—is to have some talk of the table roundtables. Oh yes, with some repeat guests. I think that she threw it out on Twitter at one point as a as I an think idea. so too, and and I really do love the idea of doing it, like maybe doing it once a quarter or something, because I think there there's something great about having. Ned Donovan and Brian David Yudkins from Encounter Party on. There's something even better about seeing how their ethos compares with Eric Silver and compares with, you know, Connie Chong and compares with Taylor Moore and right. compares with us all in one space so that we can all kind of like 
throw stuff into the center of the table and see how other people interpret it. I know I have something I want to do the state in the future of actual play. Got to have M. Friedman just trying to fight Taylor Moore in front of it. Really, I just want to do M. Friedman versus Taylor Moore, I think. Yeah. Uh, I would love to do something just like actual play production. So just get like us, Taylor Moore. I'm trying to think of like other great, uh, Esther Ellis from Dungeons and Daddies. Uh, A bunch of great like editor producers who are not necessarily performers, but are just like in the guts of making the thing. Totally. I I know you'd love to do something with like indie RPG game design. So getting... You, Spencer Campbell, people from Gubit Banwa, you know, Cassie Mothwin, Sam Lee, uh, just getting a crazy amount of people all in one room. And then I'd love to I'd love to do a whole segment of like crowdfunding for all budgets. Cause we've talked to some pretty wildly different crowdfunding campaigns uh in previous episodes. Like Gubit Banwa was big, uh Triangle Agency was very big. Yeah, and then you've got like Momato's doing children of Inanguri on itch funding. I'd love to talk to people who are doing like non Kickstarter stuff and how that how that differs and and those considerations. Because I do think that when we started this show, we do want to have all of our conversations have like value. It, we don't ever want it to just be like chat. We want it to be like we're going to answer a question. We're going to give you actionable information that you can actually use if you want to be an actual play performer, actual play producer, if you want to be a game designer. And I think having all these people together, all swapping tips all at the same time is gonna you're gonna get like just pure nitroglycerin battery acid all in one space oh i have an i have a thought based on what you just said what's that to add value to this little end of the year talk back because obviously this is a bit of there's i think there's value in here anyway but to get a little meta with it what do you think your advice would be about making a show like Talk of the Table? What have you learned uh, like about making this show? And if somebody wants to make an interview-style show or like to chat Don't with do it, because we're already doing it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, 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 no, I have a good, I have a good answer. Um, I have found myself listening to a lot of interview shows lately. And the best ones, often I, I, I find I like the way YouTubers approach interview shows. Because they come at it from a very, like, you know, average view duration. Like, they, they come at it from a very statistical place. But it ends up making the content better because a lot of YouTubers will say they think of the thumbnail and the the title before they think of anything else. Mm. So if you don't have a clear idea of what the conversation is going in, you probably won't have a good conversation. So if you come in, A, well-researched. Like, if, if we're going to talk to Gubat Banwa, I hadn't read Gubat Banwa when we reached out to them. By the time we talked to them, I had read most of Gubat Banwa, and that is a large book. That's a big <laughs> like, book. It's a big book. Like, don't talk to someone if you don't, if you haven't researched their stuff. Like, make sure you are as aware of what they're doing as as anyone else, because also you'll just get better questions. Like, And people can tell. <laughs> people can tell. And also, like, the best questions out of Gubat Banwa were when I was reading specific mechanics and being like i've never seen this very specific mechanic before it's not the marquee mechanic but it's something very cool that i'm going to incorporate in let's talk about how that developed the more granular and specific you can get with questions the better answers you're going to get i think rick perry has been asked a million times what was your favorite mini to build it's not a it's it's this very broad question. I think we kind of asked it in a rapid fire round. Well we we couched we had our we had our uh rapid fire fan question moment that it was that, all that, from we, us. that he very he very graciously uh accepted and and we prefaced with 
yeah, this these are yeah these are fan questions because we're fans. But I, I kind of think that wow, this is funny that this is coming around to this. But being a good interviewer is a lot like being a good GM. And I think one of the things we've learned from my first dungeon this year, especially with like character creation stuff, if you ask someone a broad question, they can only really give you a broad answer because there's too much room to play in. It's it's actually like kind of unkind to ask someone these like very broad questions because you're not giving them anything to work with. But if you say, hey, your character is chasing this guy, he's got the thing you want, how do you catch him? That's mm. incredibly specific. Mm-hmm. I know I'm now, you've given me a great balance to work within, and I can give you a great answer. Same thing with the question. If I ask Rick Perry, how do you make minis? There's not a good answer to that. If I ask you, why did you make this mini this way? Because it was interesting to me for this reason. Then there's a very specific answer that he can give a great in-depth uh, answer on man the parallels between gming and interviewing that now you have my brain spinning around on there's a great article in here that we should probably write for the newsletter because i think there i think there's a lot there when it comes to prep and reacting and listening i think that was one of the other tips i wanted to throw out there about an interview show is that like some of my favorite questions were not something we had prepped but building off of listening to something somebody had said, or you and I, I both know, have a little sheet of paper where we're writing down specific keywords and phrases that people say um, to jump back off of. There was a, there was a early on when Colbert took over the late show, there's an episode. I, I doubt the clip is still out there, but he was interviewing someone. And at some point while they were talking, uh, he looked down at his cue card to see what the next question was. And the person who he was interviewing called him out. is like, do you even care about this answer? Are you even listening? And it wasn't because, you know, he's a bad interviewer. Colbert is Stephen Colbert. Like, he's very good at what he's doing. But at that time, he wasn't used to doing those kind of interviews. And he likely wasn't as informed of what this project was. Just because that guy's doing interview, like multiple interviews a night, you, you can only be so informed. But there is something to be learned from that of you should always be listening. You should always be reacting. And the second, you know, your conversation goes out the window, the second your plan goes out the window, Throw it out the window. Don't try to drag it back in. And I think I'm going to keep going on this GM in comparison because I think that one of the other responsibilities I feel really strongly for a GM is, you know, taking care of your players and making sure that they have a good time and you have a good time. And this is a like direct tip that people should take and use if they're recording interviews is that we ask two questions before we hit record in front of every interview. We say, what does a home run in this interview look like for you? And what is the thing that you haven't had a chance to talk about lately that you really want to talk about? And whether the person has a clear answer to either of those questions, those two questions communicate right away. Hey, we're going to take care of you. This is going to be a good time. Like we actually care about your experience in this interview and we want you to want to talk about things. So 100% of guests that we've asked that question to have said, Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, <laughs> I've never been asked that question before. So if nothing else, you're going to get in good with someone who does not likely know you. And then just like my personal sort of bugbears having worked in podcasting for a few years is people don't care about biographical information unless it's the first time they're hearing from a person. You know, like oh, you don't need to spend yeah. 25 minutes on how they got to where they are. That stuff's already out there. That's just my thing. I find starting interviews with too much biographical background to be 
snooze fest. Yeah, I've listened to a lot of interviews lately, and a lot of people do like, how did you get to, like, give me the brief history of your life. It's like, don't do that. Don't do a broad interview. Nobody can do brief history of their life. Um, so I feel like I want to, I want to, uh, maybe, maybe Brian, do you have one more piece of advice? Because I'm, I'm worried that we're starting to get a little, uh, maybe preachy about our, our interview show opinions. And we uh, have very, we have a lot of, we have a lot of opinions, podcast production. Yeah, I've got I've got lots of others, but I mean, a lot of them are very prescriptive. Do you do you have anything? And, and we are getting into the self-aggrandizing space right now. But do you have anything uh, you'd want to leave uh, our audience with who might be thinking about doing some kind of interview podcast as well? I say it all the time, and I will keep saying it. You send out emails, you gets back emails. You gets back emails. Send those emails. That's the. I mean, that's the. That's one of the best pieces of advice I think that I would give about any kind of show, but an interview show, like we got to talk with Rick Perry and we're like a really new show and that's really cool. And like, that's, that was sending out an email and, and getting back an email, you know? Yeah. You never know if you don't ask. So the last thing that we have to talk about is what I'm really excited about. Yeah. So Elliot, tell us what's next for Talk at the Table in 2024. What are we going to be doing in the new year? So we're going to keep putting out our normal episodes until a little month comes along. February. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, also known as Zine Month within the indie design community. And we've got a big plan for Zine Month. We want to do weekly mini episodes where we interview uh, just about as many indie designers as we can fit in for the month. I think it'll probably be eight in total. We'll do two designers per episode for four weekly episodes. So we're going to be putting out a, a sort of like forum to express interest. And I'll be sharing that in the Zine Month discord and and around on twitter and stuff but we want to have you know first time designers second and third time designers if you're making something for zine month like we want to have you on to talk about your game and give you like another platform to talk on um it's also just good practice as a designer like if you if you plan on making more games it's great practice for marketing so we want to have you on we'll take good care of you it'll be just like a 30 minute conversation so that form is linked in the show notes and then beyond that we also want to start selling ads cheaply for indie designers so we're introducing sort of mid-roll ads to our to our shows next year to help financially support what we do but with talk of the table given that it's more community focused we want to sell these ads on the cheap sort of modeled after um what the indie rpg newsletter does selling just 10 bucks a pop ads and we'll kind of figure out exactly what that looks like in terms of time on the feed or anything but those will be sort of dynamic ads that you'll send us a blurb about your game and we'll pop them into the episode and so again that's another way for us to sort of give back to the indie community that is that has given us a lot so those are two big things that i'm really fucking amped for um and more to come on those soon yeah it's gonna be very we, we talk a lot about like wanting to uplift the indie rpg community and i think we want to put our money even more where our mouth is and, you know, really highlight those more of those games on this show. I think that's that's a lot of good stuff, Brian. You got anything else you want to tell the people about? That's a lot of good stuff. Honestly, I'm very excited for 2024. I think the first 10 episodes of this show have been great. We already have a number of uh, episodes in the can recorded that I think are also home run interviews. Yeah. Do we, do we want to preview those? Uh, we, can pre- we can preview a couple. I think, you know, coming up soon, we've got Kieran Gillen, who wrote Die as well as a number of Marvel comics coming back on the podcast to talk about die and uh, die scenarios, which is going to be very fun. We've got Cassie Mothwin coming on the podcast to talk about solo games and indie TTRPG design. 
And we've got friend of the show, uh, Sam Lee, coming on the show to talk about solo role-playing games. And working as a part-time designer. And working as a part-time designer, like going from, because Sam recently went and like made this more a part of their life. So I'm very excited to, to share those conversations with you. And honestly, we're going to have a lot of good, we're going to have a lot of good episodes in 2024. We're, we're going to continue this streak of, of no misses. No misses. Because if it's a miss, you'll never hear it. Yeah, there's so many episodes on the cutting room floor. We talked to Brendan Lee Mulligan, but it was really bad. <laughs> Just kidding. No, Brendan, please come on the show. No, Brendan, we'd love, we'd love to have you on the show. I've got a very specific outline for a conversation I'd like to have. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Talk of the Table. As always, if you like the show, please go down and leave us a review. Uh, it really does help more people find the show, and it makes us feel all warm and good inside. And that's just a nice thing you can do for us. Tell your friends about the show. And if you want to talk more about any of these interviews or any of the other things from Many Sided Media, you should check out the Many Sided Media Discord. We have a whole channel just to talk about Talk at the Table as well as all of our other shows as well. And you can let us know who you want us to talk to in the new year because we take a lot of suggestions from our Discord server. And that's what the table is talking about. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. You like us. You really like us. At least, I assume that you do, as you've listened to every minute of this episode. And yet you haven't already left us a five-star review? Well, what are you waiting for? Get over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave that review now. It's always wonderful to hear words from our adoring fans. Getting more ratings helps people find the show and love it as well. And we love to hear your nice words. So head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us that five-star review. Ta-ta!